Hi, I'm Sung Ray. I'm something else. Here at Black Girl Soul, a podcast where we discuss the Asian dramas we love from a Black female perspective. We are looking to be entertained, to learn about other cultures, and share our passion for these shows. Welcome. Hello, everyone. This is Black Girl Soul, and today we are discussing the Apple TV Plus series, Pachenko, and it is uh, an American production, but with Korean and Japanese actors, so it's going to be an interesting twist on what we're used to seeing. Also with us today is a colleague friend, Natasha. She is our resident reader. She's the only one among us who's read the book. So we look forward to her insights in general, but especially so because she can tell us what she's noting are differences between the series and the book. So welcome, Natasha. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yay. So, <laughs> so song rate, take it away. All right. Well, just going to do a quick little recap of um, episode one, and then we'll go into episode two. Um, we start off with our cast. Let's just begin there. We have Minha Kim, who is playing Kim Sunja, the main character. We have Jenna, who is playing Bake Solomon, who is the another main character who we find out later is her grandson. Imin Ho, who is playing Kohan Su, and Yoon Young Jun. I'm tearing that name up and I apologize, who is playing the older version of Kim Sunja. Uh, she's the Academy Award winning actress from Minari. And uh, oh, I, was she in what was that movie we just did? I can't think of the name of it right this second. I feel terrible. In which case, we're going to go ahead and just start off with the first episode. And in this episode, we're learning about Sunja and her family. We're learning about how they got started and basically this is a story of their family and it's generational so we're in two different time frames we're in the 1989 and we're in like 1915 to 1925 and we start off with her being basically born her mother even pre pre before she was born her mother going to see a shaman to kind of get some help on what's going on because she felt like she was cursed she had had three sons and none of them lived fast past infancy so she wanted to make sure this child wasn't going to die as well so she went to see the shaman and the shaman gave her prophecy about her daughter and what her daughter was going to be able to do um and basically a child she ain't know was going to be a girl at the time but anyway so <laughs> she has sunja and things begin to move forward we also learn at the same time about her grandson her grandson is solomon bake who works for a new york banking company and based upon racism and the way things work in the United States, he has been missed over for deals. He's unable to, you know, basically rise. So there's a very serious deal that's going on that he's able to, he's saying he's able to go close in Japan if they allow him to do this. Uh, I think it might have been a Korean landowner. Okay, yeah, a Korean landowner in Japan. So he's able to, he's saying he's able to go and close this deal. And if he's able to close this deal, they're going to have to acknowledge his work and his efforts. So we learn about him there. We learn about how she has begun to move into her life. Her father and her have a really special relationship and they did delve into that and spent a lot of time 
kind of sharing with us about the two of them and how they work, which was kind of awesome because I thought it was really important for us to see that. We also learn about her mother and how her mother, so I won't do spoilers just yet because I think it's a little early for that. We learn about how her mother and her relationship blossoms and grows as time goes on and about how the community is dealing with at the time we're dealing with the Japanese occupation in Korea. And so they're being mistreated. They're not being treated fairly. They're, it's, it's just wrong. It's, it's contemplate and think about in terms of if you're an American, um, times when Asians were mistreated like the Japanese occupation here, not Japanese, the Chinese occupation in California during I think the 1800s, or if you think in terms of um, African-Americans and how they have been marginalized and mistreated throughout certain time periods in our history. So like you see that that's the kind of thing that's going on where they're just because of who they are, things are going on and they're being mistreated and it's kind of interesting take on the situation. Um, from there, we begin to learn about the family, how the family grew, who else is in the family. We learn about Solomon Bake's father and that he owns, which is apropos to the name of the drama, he owns a patinko store where people come in and they gamble. And I think that's pretty much it for that first episode, just kind of like meeting people, getting to see who's who, getting to figure out what's going on before we get into the nitty gritty. Did anybody want to add anything? No, I think you gave a um, good summation of that first episode. I'll say that I was pleasantly surprised by the quality of it, how it was introduced to us, even like the establishing shot, the very first shot when you see her mother and you just get all this emotion from one actress right away. I just feel like it's going to be a meaty show, but in my reading and as Sungray knows and everyone who listens to us knows, I tend to read a little bit too much background information. So I didn't realize that this was going to be one of four seasons. And so that context totally changes how I looked at the pacing of even the first episode, how I looked at how it was moving. Because I was like, you all are going to do the most in eight <laughs> episodes? I was like, uh, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense to me. What did you think you were going to see, Natasha, about the show and what what were your initial observations? Okay, well, first, I'm new to Asian dramas, Asian TV shows, Asian movies, so I wasn't really sure what to expect as far as, you know, the acting and whether or not I was going to watch it dubbed or subtitled, because I thought it was interesting that they were going to speak all of the languages um, in the film. English, Japanese, and Korean. So that was going to be interesting for me to see how that would play out. But just like you, when it started, I, I was just kind of blown away by the first actress, Sunja's mom. I can't remember her name. She just, I don't know. Like I knew, like you said, that it was going to be a good, weighty show. The acting was, was on point. It was beautifully shot. So that that kind of excited me to see the story. As a person who read the book, the the show starts a little bit after the book starts. So the show starts with her husband, the cleft palate, uh, Sunja's father. It starts with his parents in the book. So it goes back a little bit before, before them. And maybe they will in the show. I don't know if it's relevant, but maybe they will. So that kind of took me aback a little bit. I wasn't sure how many more changes there were going to be in the show. Another thing that I noticed um, with the show 
is that it's not chronological like the book was. We're not introduced to Solomon in the book until towards the end of the book because he's in you know more modern times. So I found that interesting um, also. Do you feel like any of that detracted from what you saw of the story thus far? I can't say it's detracted thus far, but I will say that, you know, if you start with Sunja's grandparents, like the book did and the hard time they had, I mean, it's each generation is dealing with some sort of tragedy, you know, like Sunja's mom losing all these kids. So I felt like maybe the show start through Solomon in the beginning, because even though he's struggling in his company, he's somewhat of a success story. So I thought, well, maybe they wanted to put him in there just so, just so that the viewers know that this family is going to come out on the other end somewhat successful, um, if you know what I mean. So it was kind of like a something to aspire to because as I was reading the book I was like oh my gosh this family has so much tragedy and I'm not sure that would have played well in the show if we would have started with Sunja's grandparents and all that they went through and you know all the way until until Solomon you know okay okay um I would like to also at this point because we've you know given a brief recap talk about like some I guess we'll call them spoilers but like if you haven't watched the episode you should probably get away from us now and go take a look and come back and join us later. So I personally agree with both of you all. I think that it was beautifully shot. I think they picked very good actresses and actors for these parts. I feel like they got you involved very quickly because you immediately fall into this family and you want to see them succeed. You want their things to work out for them and you want things to fly. Like you want Solomon to get this deal. But I was also like, kind of a little disheartened because I was not expecting for dad to die so soon like I really wanted to see their relationship blossom a little more and get more from them like because they started us off there and I guess that was just my oh I was you know a little bit like oh no he died already I wasn't ready for that did anybody else have any other points well, like that no I agree with you but here's a weird thing this show is super smooth. Like, given all the jumps back and forth in history, I thought I was just going to watch one episode and maybe two. It just led me all the way through to the third episode very easily. And, you know, like, given that I was half asleep towards the end, I was still like, ooh, I'm watching this. But part of that was that the writing is very crisp in some ways. Maybe not necessarily compared to the book because the book has so much history. But, like, even in the first scenes with the mother going to, I guess, the Shay woman, the shaman, I don't know. They call her a shaman regardless. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> to the shaman, there's a lot of information about how she met her husband, how she, like her history, like they threw it all in and it wasn't like garbled or rushed, but she was basically like, you know what? I came from a poor family and he had problems and I was chosen to marry this man. He's loving, he's a kind man. Like that was a big deal for me because I was like, oh, I don't want it to be a situation where she is like straight struggling from the get, you know, like she sold off to this man. And so to know that they're like, not in love maybe, but like there's definitely love there. And then they both want this child so desperately is so wonderful and beautiful. And it's like a wonderful start to everything. And then 
when you see how he loves his child, like when she's in the water and he's holding his breath too, because he's like, yeah. my baby is out there and I'm going to hold my breath until she comes up for air. I was, they didn't need to give us so much. I mean, do you want to know about his life as an outcast? Maybe that's in the book. I do not know. And all his physical ailments, because I thought he just had a cleft lip. I didn't know, you know, but then I saw he was like limping. I was like, he's, he's doing the most trying to take care of his family out in those fields, right? And so they gave us a full guy. They gave yeah. us what we needed to know about this dude. Like he was kind, he was caring, he was hardworking, he loved his family. And maybe Natasha can speak on how exactly he died because I was getting that maybe he had some form of like a clearly illness. I mean, he's coughing up blood towards the end. Maybe a cancer of some kind because I made the inference that it was cancer because and just to slide through here and then y'all will bring me back. The show does a good job juxtaposing the past and the present. So one of the ways that they did it was when you see the emperor in 1989 die from cancer, they bounce back and they show uh, Sanjay and her mom taking care of her father as he is ill and dying. They're letting you know death is here and death is happening in the past too. It wasn't cancer. I can't think of the name of the illness, but it's a lung, like a lung disease. And it's actually contagious too. Mm. Um, but I can't think of the name of it. It's something that a lot of people got in that time period. Was it tuberculosis? Yes, I think it was. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Because, I mean, given my history in the world and, and living in Nigeria, like, tuberculosis is no joke and it's really a thing. I mean, luckily we can <laughs> take drugs and there is a cure for that. But that then is interesting to me that the father had tuberculosis and then Sanjay is in the future possibly tied to a man who has tuberculosis or something like that. I'm jumping the gun a little bit. Stop me, y'all. I was going to say that the tuberculosis, I don't know if it comes up again in the in the show, but and I'm not giving a w really anything away by saying this, but it does come up again, especially since they have a boarding house. You know, the fact that he had an illness that could spread, it was like a concern. And they made a more of a big deal about it, about it in the book. Since you brought up Sanja's father and like the, how they built his character, I love that too. I love that they, in a short amount of time, showed the bond between Sanja and her dad because it was a big part of the story and you did get to hear his background like you got to hear about him growing up and his parents and what happened to his parents and his whole life growing up and how he got his wife and the rumors that spread around the town about him when he was born with this clubbed foot and a cleft lip and so there is more to his story but I feel like the show did a good job of just showing his character and like you said when the when his wife is going to the shaman to hope for this baby or ask for this baby she gives a good picture of him too and their relationship and they did have a really good loving relationship and partnership in their business and they didn't really show the business side of it much because he also you know was part of the boarding house with her even though he worked out in the fields and um, and she did the the cooking for the boarders he was he was part of that part of that business too and that was a big part of their lives and so i think for me 
to round back to where we started, I think for me, that would be exactly why I wanted more because they did an awesome job of putting it together, making you feel like he was important to their lives and what was going on. You just didn't want him to go. Yeah, it was really sad that that he died, especially, you know what, actually, because he was such a good person and his, his wife and his daughter loved him so much. And, you know, this seems like the people who, who boarded in his boarding house respected him. He was a good host. It was sad to see him die. But after all that he went through as a child with his family, like as a person who read the book, I was I was sad for his family to lose him, but I was also fulfilled with the fact that he got to live a full life, you know, like he got to have the wife and the daughter and the good life. And I was happy for him that he got to have that. Okay. So you're making me want to read the book. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Natasha is really like selling that book, but you know what? I feel like by the time you read the book, you just sit in a corner because you just worn out. Like the way you read The Color Purple, you're just like on the side of the road. I need to go on vacation now after reading a book. So <laughs> definitely it's an emotional book. I mean, it's it's good to, to see the triumphs because, you know, you, you're taken so low sometimes. And when they when they succeed, and you have these triumphs like with Sanja's dad finally having a family. You're you're happy for them and it feels good. But yes, it is an emotional book. And it can take you places and it, it can it can be exhausting right and and one of the the things like so you y'all know i jump around and so i'll say this and then i'll jump to something else real quick and then sung ray will kindly interrupt me so i love the intro i love the opening credit oh my gosh the yeah. show. And it just lightened. And when you were talking about like kind of the heaviness of the book, it reminded me of the lightness of the intro and how initially you can kind of get hints of what's coming with the show by looking at the pictures of the intro. But then when they're in the Pachenko Hall and they're dancing, it's so bright and it's so fun. And I just, it one, it reminds me of those Japanese intros where they be dancing and stuff, right? Everyone's talking about maybe a comparison to K-drama somehow, even though it's an American production. But I'm like, look at the Japanese influence here too, because, oh, it's gorgeous. And in a weird twist of the three episodes, I have always watched the intro because I'm like, it's fun. The intro is really fun. It's so lively and colorful. And you see all the actors and all the characters and all their different stages. It's really fun. Every time I saw it though, I was just like, this is the opposite of the show. That's how I, that's how I looked at it. Like, yeah, thank you for like giving us this bright spot because it's not going to be very bright, you know, in this show. I saw the, the intro before the drama started. So like, you know, people share all kind of stuff online. So I'd seen the intro a while ago and it kind of tainted what I thought I was going to see. Cause I thought, oh, okay, this is not going to be so bad. It's, it looks lighthearted based upon that. And so you are so correct, Natasha, after I saw it, and then watch those first three episodes. I was like, yeah, it don't match, but I still like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it too. Right. I think there's a jarringness, not a big jar, like you are uncomfortable, but there's just like this high, low, dark light thing that is happening. And I was going to say one of the other ways, aside from like the kind of the emperor's death and then jumping back to Sunja's father passing, is also like Sunja's birth. So you see her being born and then they jump to Solomon negotiating his mm-hmm. VP raise, right? It's like they're both fighting for life right now, you know, fighting to live or something like that. Because when he said, 
he listed all the stuff he wanted and he was like, oh, and I wanted it in writing. I was like, yes, boy, get it. They've been lying to him like two years, telling him what they were going to give him. And he's making all these big deals. And then they play him again. I was like, oh, but no, you better get it in right handle business. <laughs> what do you all think? No, I agree with that as well, because I loved how he, you know, after sitting there listening to that, listening to how they were doing their, I'm just going to call it the uh, old boy network moves as they were, you know, doing what they usually do. And when he was just like, okay, I hear you, but let me tell you, this is what's going to happen. And this is what I want. If I get this deal, here are the things and y'all are going to have to follow through and it's going to be written down. I was like, all right, get it. So yeah, that I, that was a really good, important like uh, highlight for me for him, which is how come throughout the show, I was just like, okay, he has to get this deal. He cannot not do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a good scene too because I read the book. I hate, I'm trying not to keep saying that, but you get to see his whole life from being born and growing up and the kind of child he was. I was just like, kind of like okay that's that's who he's been his whole life even though they struggled that's who he's been his whole life and I was just like yeah that's Solomon you know <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention and I kind of touched on this earlier but just now to get in depth with was the fisherman who was a boarder at the house who kind of spoke his feelings about the Japanese and the Japanese uh, occupation and how he felt about it and how serious it was taken that his anti-Japanese sentiments were to the point where he was beat. Was he killed? I don't know. I couldn't tell. And I was trying to figure out, too, like, how did they find out? Like, who turned him in? Who at the table turned him in? Because somebody obviously did for them to come back to the board house. Somebody there obviously said something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I was sure that that was going to happen because you had some very quiet men, uncomfortable men at that table after he was talking that trip. And I was like, I feel you, sir, because it's real. And I was on his side, but he was reckless. He was drinking too much and he was reckless. And I so appreciated that even at an early age, you could see Sunja's strength. And maybe she got it from her mama, but she had strength because she was the only one who went to the guy and was like, dude, you, you tripping. Like you were all in those streets getting reckless with your mouth. And now we're all in danger. Like you need to go. No one was saying that. The parents weren't saying that. It was like they had imbued her with such love and such strength that she, you know, didn't mind haggling in marketplaces. She didn't mind going to this guy and saying, this is what's up. And I think that that's ultimately what saved her family. Yeah, she did. Yeah, I love that. I love her character and her strength. And I love the little girl. She's such a good actress. Have you guys seen her in other things? I had not seen her before, but I yeah. did pay attention because she was a really, really good actress. Yeah, I love the strength of Sun John. It same same thing. I think maybe that's where well, I'm not gonna say this because I'm not sure how the book is gonna. There's some things that I saw in the show that I wasn't too sure about as far as the relationship between Solomon and Sunja, but I think his strength he gets that from her. Yeah, I could easily see that because I was also gonna say like I don't know if you guys paid attention. Now I'm going to do a little bit jump forward, but then come back because I'm only mentioning two things. So in the first episode, she the dad has to tell her when the Japanese soldiers are coming through after they've blown the whistle through the marketplace, he has to tell her you have to bow and put your head down. You can't just stand there and look at them. Then as an adult, when old boy sees her, I'm getting to episode two in a second, but when he sees her 
he noticed is that she didn't put her head down when they went past. And I was like, wow, she made a conscious effort. That was right. her, like, like small way of fight back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I noticed that too. It was like she was, in her humble way, regal. And so I'm not surprised that he noticed her. Because it's almost like she was in that world, but she wasn't like completely of it. But she didn't know that. Like, she just knew that she was just this hometown girl. But I think that he recognized, uh, let me find his name, because it's Eamon Ho's character. No, I didn't say his name on purpose, because we hadn't introduced episode two. Girl, thank you, because you know. (laughs) I was about to bring him up, too. I was like, I didn't say it yet, yeah. Right, right, okay. right. We'll we'll slide the two and then we'll like, you know, we'll still jump back and forth. But yeah, just so that people have some delineation. But yeah, so you can see how she is in that world, but not completely of it. I mean, I think she's, of course, intelligent, but she's not very worldly. And I don't think she minds like she doesn't hate her circumstance. I think the only thing she may have and it's interesting is that she is rebellious. She has like this quiet rebellion, but how is that presented in the book? And not really much different than it is in the in the show. I can't think of any difference. You just see it. You see some of her mother in her um, later on in some of the choices that she has to make as far as how her life is going to end up and what she needs to do to be a woman. Um, you'll see some more of that. But at this point, it's not really different than in the book. Okay. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and roll on to episode two. Oh, wait. When the Japanese, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure in the book, they really, really, really talk about the Japanese occupation in Korea. I didn't feel that they did. Maybe they did what they could do, and it's going to bounce back and forth. But initially, I just didn't feel enough of an understanding and maybe that's why I'm supposed to go read some history and learn some stuff Mm. but my mom at one point she was like those Japanese police were mean like the U.S. police and I started cracking up I was like well yes yes they were (laughs) you know they they're it's not just physical warfare it's psychological warfare right And so to see how they have people turning on their own, I did think that they spoke to how demoralized the Korean men felt. But then the flip side is that they are ignoring their feelings and turning on each other just to survive. So I just wanted to point that out also and see if you all had any thoughts on the occupation based on episode one. I know the the book didn't really get into the history as much. I mean, it, it presented the fact that the Japanese were there and occupied Korea and they didn't treat Koreans very well, but it didn't really get into the whole history as to, you know, where else did the Japanese occupy and how long were they there and how were they, how are they put out? It didn't get into that in the book at all. So I, I don't know, maybe it was just too much to add. And this was just a part of the story that is important, but you know, they didn't want to make it a character of its own. So I don't think that they're going to really get into it much more. It's just a little bit of a like a, a backdrop to say, hey, this is the setting that we're working with. And this is why there's this animosity between um, Koreans and, and Japanese because of this occupation. And then that animosity is, is generational, you know. Right. Because it was so lightly handled on one end. But then on the other end, you see how it even affects Solomon, right? 
believe it was also in episode one. I hope it's not episode two. I hate to like blend, but like where Solomon goes to that dinner and the head of the company asks what his blood type is, which is very Korean. I don't know if it's Japanese, but it's definitely Korean. And so Solomon has to then translate what happened to Tom, his boss, and basically say, yeah, he wants to know my allegiance. And I'm like, okay, so 70 years later, you are having to prove your allegiance to your Japanese boss because they know you're Korean. No matter where you were born and raised, they know that you're Korean and they're not sure they can trust you. When we were in college, I had a Japanese roommate and I will never, as long as I live, forget us having a conversation about me. And I, at the time, I wasn't watching Korean dramas. So I had no, like, that wasn't on my mind. But I remember we had another roommate. It was a bunch of us who were all friends. And the roommate was, uh, I can't remember what part of China she was from, but she was Chinese. And we began talking. And I can't remember what I asked her, but I asked her something. And she said, oh, well, in my country, we don't look very uh, favorably upon other Asians. They're like, we, there's a difference. And I said, a difference? And she tried to explain it, but all I could hear and all I remember thinking was, this sounds kind of like the black and white thing here in America, where we deal with certain people feel like they're higher above others and treat people differently. And so that was how I aligned it. And when I opened up, that's what I talked about, because I that was where it took me to, like trying to remember when occupations happen here in this country or when people were mistreated here in this country. Yeah, I don't know for sure how different it is today. I'm not 100% sure if it's as bad, but I know that it does take time for those types of Oh, it's still bad because dramas right now, there was a drama that just came out, I guess a year ago, and I'm not going to say bad because again, I'm not in that culture to know exactly what the feelings are, but I am going to say things are still mentioned, talked about, and brought up. And in the drama, they... Was it because they used the Japanese flag? It was a Korean drama. I can't remember if it was because they used the Japanese flag or what the situation was, but people began boycotting the drama because of that. And I remember going, wow, there that is like still deeply rooted. And again, I understand. Like there's some people who can't get past certain things because of how they were treated, what went on, and the way that that has still filtered into their everyday lives. Yes, there's um, this is this is a side note kind of away from the show, but I've been watching Love is Blind Japan, which is a reality show, like a love dating Mm -hmm. type reality show. Mm -hmm. And I was curious to see just what the people were going to be like in the show. And there's this one guy who's Korean. Well, he's Japanese. He was born in Japan, raised in Japan, but his parents are, are Korean and it doesn't come out till later. He's getting really close to this one woman. And he's kind of nervous to tell her and he tells her that he's Korean and you could tell that he doesn't know how she's going to react. And she says, really? And he's, yeah. She said, well, I'm half Korean. And they, they kind of bond on that, you know, like the fact that they're these, um, they're in Japan, but they're, they're partly Korean. So I know it's, it's still an issue. I just, I mean, I think that each generation, it gets a little bit better and it's just going to, it's going to take time. I just don't know how bad it, it's not as bad as it was back then is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Right. And you can even see it with Solomon having this weird space that he lives in where he is Korean, but he is not tied at all to Korea. And he grew up in Japan, 
but they second guess him. They don't trust his allegiance, right? And then he moves to America, which I can see is a way for him to get away from all of that, but he deals with racism in America, right? So there's still a struggle in America. And so he's like, he's somebody who belongs in multiple places and yet nowhere at all. I don't know if they talk about that in the book, but it was sad. And I was just wondering what you all thought about that. Uh, I don't know. I thought I did think it was interesting that he's basically a Japanese man. I mean, he has Korean parents, but he was born in Japan. He was raised in Japan. He doesn't really know Korea. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's an identity crisis because like you said, the Japanese don't really know his loyalty. It plays a big part in the story. So I'm wondering how else they're going to bring that up in the show because not just for Solomon, but for some of the other characters that are to come, you know, it's, it's a big deal. Now the United States doesn't really play that huge of a role in, in his identity in the book. He does go to the United States in the book and he does become successful, but he wasn't trying to, that, not the way I took it, that he wasn't trying to escape Japan and then was sorely disappointed when he got here and, and was also, you know, treated not as not the best, you know? Well, see, I think the only reason I kind of thought that was because one of his writers, uh, one of the one of the things that he was insistent on in writing was that once he made that deal, they would bring him back to America. So that was like a thing because, you know, it wasn't like he just said, you're going to give me money and all this stuff. And potentially he could be in Korea. Right. He specifically was like, once he completed that deal, he wanted to be sent right back to America right away. Like he said it in basically get me the heck out of here. And I was like, oh, okay. And especially for his family to, I think it was the grandmother who asked, how long are you going to be here? Like, are you really here or are you just making your money and you're getting out? So that's why I kind of thought that. Yeah, I could see that. I think he knew that he would have more opportunities elsewhere. Songwriter, anything to add? Oh, I'm fine. Well, this is Black Girl Soul talking about Pachenko. Look out for our future episodes. I am something else and Song Ray. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Black Girl Soul. We enjoyed having you, and please subscribe, like, and follow our Facebook page, YouTube channel. Twitter page, Instagram page, and join our Facebook group. You can also find us on Patreon. Please look below for links. See you guys next week.